Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to recruit, support, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to help boldly celebrate families and careers with you. All right. Hi, and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode will be about filling the educator pipeline and recruiting male FCS teachers. So my guest today has over 10 years experience in various teaching and administrative positions. Mr. Robert or Rob Van Dyke has authored several classroom integration methods, lesson plans, leadership activities that have promoted student leadership, literacy skills, and membership development for classroom teacher use. So right now, currently, Rob is pursuing a doctor of philosophy degree from Texas Tech University while being the FCS educational consultant for North Carolina CTE as well as serving on two executive boards with LEAD FCS Ed and AAFCS. So talk about a powerhouse of a guest. Welcome, and thank you for joining me, Rob. Thanks for having me, and uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. It always kind of makes me feel like, oh, I've actually done something with my career. <laughs> well, I feel like I, I need some like Rocky Balboa music, you know, doing a little introduction or something. <laughs> uh, I'll come in at the eye of the tiger. That's always a great, great way yeah, to come in. It is. It is. Yeah. So, well, you know, let's talk about breaking stereotypes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So talk about what is gender competence. So gender competence is a very fancy term for how do we understand how each gender fits within a current structure. So what we're looking at is how does the two different genders really work within family consumer sciences. FCS was founded for females, and it's to predominantly been a female-dominated field in the profession. And that's just because of by nature and history and just where we were in society at that time, the home and all of the things that went around it in the early 1900s when we were formed was really relegated to females. And then throughout the last century, it's been really reemphasize that this is just for home. And especially with the name home economics, it really got that connotation that it was just for girls. It really wasn't until the 60s and 70s when feminism kind of took over and Title IX came about and specifically called out home economics for not having male students and being open to male students that we actually saw males start to be able to take those courses or get involved with them uh, within uh, extension at that time as well. And so FCCLA, which was Future Homemakers at the time, didn't actually see its first national officer that was a man, well, male student at the time until like 1973. So that's only like a generation or, or so ago for us. And so FCS has and continues to be female dominated. Even on the education side, the average teacher is a white female teacher. So we are still getting that the male perspective into there our need to do a lot better job of it. And overall, nationwide, we have about 3% of the overall population of FCS teachers are men. So that means the other 97-ish percent are females. So if we're trying to really change that gender competence or that gender stereotype of the profession, we need to start recruiting male teachers so that way we can actually walk the walk of the talk we're trying to talk. 
male FCS teachers were really studied in the 80s when we were looking at the overall profession and really trying to decide a future for it. We're going to change the name. How are we going to change the perception? And really during that time of really rethought. And so we looked at how do they socialize in there, but we never really looked at the, the makeup of them, the number of them at that time. And then only since the Say Yes to FCS campaign in the last 10 years has really come about and really start to look at how do we recruit we actually just started to look at who we are and what what are we doing to really recruit our male teachers. Um, and I don't know if that's, I, I can't tell you if that's statewide, different statewide, because it's just, we are so far and few between and we, we're just not there. So you just can't see us and there's no research behind it. Yeah. Well, I, all I know is from doing a little bit of homework prior to having you come on, there was an article online back in 2016 in Little Rock, Arkansas, that the first, it was the first male FCS teacher. So that's huge. <laughs> Where it was leading up to 2016, it, it's always been women in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That's only like less than five years away. I mean, we're just in the beginning parts of 2021. So that's less than five years away that they've had their first male family consumer science teacher. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. So gosh, so I work with, I'm pretty fortunate. I feel, I feel like I'm pretty fortunate. I work with a male FCS colleague. So he teaches foods one, foods two. Last year, he had the opportunity to teach exploring childhood or human development for the, I, I want to say it was maybe his first time. I'm I'm not sure. And he also was able to start teaching financial literacy this last year. So he's getting out there a little bit more with the scope of how many classes we, we teach under our umbrella, right? But yeah, so do you want to talk about maybe how men are delegated to certain classes? Yeah, one of the big misconceptions about male FCS teachers is that we only came into the profession to teach culinary arts. That's our only way into this this profession is because we just want to eat or we just want to show students how to cook. But that's not accurate. We have a lot of our male professionals that are coming in through ECE and really want to work with our students to learn how to be future ECE educators or work with young children themselves or really just help with that parenting perspective because that's something that they're super passionate about. We also have males that are coming in in the fashion and interior design side as well. So yes, the the idea is that they're coming in to just teach culinary arts, but that's not not correct. And that's one of the big stereotypes that male FCS teachers really... Um, fall into when they come in the profession is we'll go into a conference or meet with other FCS um, female professionals and they'll be like, oh, are you just here to teach culinary arts? And that's their first thought. Are we just relegated to teaching just this specific gender, more gender neutral concept as opposed to the home or um, interior fashion, which could definitely be seen more as feminine. And so they have to really prove themselves like, no, I can teach 
early childhood education. I can teach a male or female student how to be a good future parent. I can teach them how to run their house. I can teach them about interior and fashion and anything else. I don't just necessarily know culinary arts. Now, there are on the same side of that, I will say there are a large number of the male family consumer science teachers that do teach culinary arts, but that would probably be our largest pathway in FCS. And so as an FCS teacher, you're going to teach culinary arts in your career, no matter what you're going to do. It's just, it's just part of being an FCS teacher. Living at that grocery store and buying those groceries is something they're going to have to learn too. So, <laughs> well, I have to say, yeah, I took my classroom experience from grocery shopping for labs and everything. I so I have I have a somewhat I want to say a large family. I have four kids and. <laughs> I posted on my on my social media my grocery cart and I had a lot of FCS teachers going wait is that a lab run and I'm like oh, <laughs> this is just for my family and only because I didn't go gro- I hadn't gone grocery shopping since before Christmas and oh. I told my kids I'm like no you if you guys can eat all of the good stuff right out of the gate no I am not going to the grocery store. I'm not picking anything up until everything else gets, you know, eaten. Nice. And well, there was a, there was kind of a, a mutiny a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> but but I survived. <laughs> but it, the, having those skills, you know, those uh, those lab runs and going to the grocery store, they come in handy, even for your own family. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, and I've only made the mistake once of trying to buy stuff for labs and home at one time. That is uh, something you never do again. You learn once and you never do it again. <laughs> and you really get to know either the tax exempt process, if you're tax exempt in your state, or you know which checker to go out because they're going to be fast and you have 20 minutes to get back to the school to get unloaded. So that way you can teach. It's also funny when you can tell the checker how to do some certain things of their own job. You need to hit this button, this button, this button. Thanks. I need to get on out of here. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Those are high quality skills that I think everybody should have. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think about it, gosh, so I'm an 80s kid. And so my next door neighbor growing up, he got a job working at Albertsons as a bag checker. (laughs) Or yeah, um, he loaded grocery bags. Well, oh my gosh, he has this down to an absolute science. And he taught me how to stack bags and everything and to make sure you can get the most in for, you know, in one bag and everything. So (laughs) that's a skill in itself as well. I'd love to learn that (laughs) because I'm over here having things rolling around the backseat of my car as I drive home. So Right. I know. No, well, let's uh, get back a little bit. What the gender competency and Let's talk maybe your doctorate degree. What it, since you're passionate about the gender competence, are you rolling that into your doctorate? Yeah, so my doctorate is in family and consumer sciences education through Texas Tech and one of the big areas of emphasis and research that I was really drawn to was males inside this profession because my experience has been varied and as I talk to other male teachers throughout the U.S. and kind of mentored several of them as I was in a state administrator role, there seemed to be some common themes that were coming out in my mind about the experience that we were having inside of this profession. And so I really wanted to dig into that to see, is there any validity to this? Is it just relegated to just 
these people and just a phenomenon only happened be by stance over here. But what I'm really finding in my research, and that's part of what I'm writing my dissertation on, I'm still getting to that dissertation phase, but luckily I've had the opportunity to start writing pieces and researching things for my dissertation, as well as a textbook chapter that I've been offered the opportunity to write for preparing future FCS educators about males inside the classroom, is that there is kind of some standard things of which males coming through a very female-dominated field uh, really experience. A lot of my research is around males in early childhood or elementary school because there really hasn't been much research on males in home economics or family and consumer sciences. But since our profession really deals with both of those can align to those really, really nicely, I can really draw some things to some parallels between my experience, some of the conversations I have with some other teachers to really get some ideas. And so part of the dissertation I'm going to do is about male acclimation and inclusion research on that inside of the FCS profession. Because what we go through as male FCS teachers can be kind of hard and really not welcome. Sometimes we're seen more as a novelty than we are as a valued member of the profession. And that's really disheartening because you have these men who are super passionate about family consumer sciences because they've gone through either a teacher prep program where most of their colleagues are going to be female. So they already know they stand out or they're coming in from the profession itself. And the profession itself is most likely going to be female dominated. So they understand, but they come into the classroom and they face some of these things. It's not uncommon for them to come into this classroom and really have their masculinity question like, why do you want to be a man teaching family consumer sciences? Men don't have anything to do with family, which is a completely bizarre thought to me, but it's things that have happened and questions that happened. They've questioned their sexuality. Oh, you want to be in a female dominated field, so you must be homosexual or not completely 100% heterosexual, which is, first of all, irrelevant to you being a teacher or a professional. And it really doesn't matter. And so it comes in and they get their, their sexuality question. And then they also, in the back of the mind, and, I, and I've had a parent really kind of allude to this, and multiple parents actually allude to this, is, am I a pedophile? Do I want to just get close to, to female students so that way I can uh, do something that's unbecoming of a teacher? And you would think that that's just not the norm, but these are things that as I talk to male teachers or I dig into the research, things that male educators really experience and it's really disheartening. And you're like, why are these happening? And really, how do we go about that? And I think the first way for us to understand that and do better as a profession is to understand that they're happening, understand why they're happening. And then we can address some of these issues that are happening with other, with training, with whatever we need to, to make sure that all of family consumer science is welcoming. Now, I will say that FCS is a wonderful profession. I'm not dogging on it. It's not something I'm trying to be negative, but we need to be able to recognize some of the shortcomings that we have in order for us to continue to move forward and grow and be as inclusive as we want to be. Absolutely. And so I, I need to take go back just a little bit. And I want to apologize Dissect. to you for having to have those hard conversations and almost being accused of being a pedophile or questioning, questioning yourself and your, your being that that's appalling. And 
on one end, but also that makes somebody else or myself even want to do an about turn and run for the hills and say, uh, no, I don't even want to, I don't want to walk down this path because this is going to be a very hard path if I'm being targeted and judged or or questioned on these things, the validity. And, and I appreciate that. And I will say that most FCS teachers are very welcoming. It's just as a profession and just whatever our societal image is, doesn't really lend itself to being as inclusive to males as we'd like it to be. And so we encounter these things. Luckily, we're not encountering them all in day one. Here's everything you're going to encounter. Let me just put it all out in the opening. These are things that we hear or we feel and we experience throughout our careers, but they do make you look like, do I really want to be in this in this profession? Because it's not uncommon for a male FCS educator to go into a conference and hear things like, welcome ladies. And you're just like, hey, how am I? I'm, I'm, I'm back here. Or welcome ladies and Roth or whatever the male, the male teacher is. I know, and I, I always laugh about it now, but I've gone to conferences and I've gotten conference swag, anything from like a woman's day spa certificate, which I couldn't go to, which I gave that promptly to somebody else just because I, I wasn't welcome there because it was only women's only. Nail files, t-shirts that are very feminine driven. My favorite story that I tell things is that you're stand, I'm standing in line to check in to a conference and they're going down the line, giving you your little conference things and the lady in front of me was given the conference thing to the conference giveaway to the lady in front of me. She's like, here's your purse. Next up comes Rob. Here's your lunch tote. <laughs> so mm. here's my purse and my lunch tote. <laughs> and so I just laugh about it now. Um, I still have some of those things, but <laughs> they're just little things that add up over time that if you as a male FCS teacher aren't learning to laugh about it or learning your own coping mechanisms, or learning to reach out to other male FCS teachers to really build that bond, it's it can be hard. And that was one of the things I started when I was in Colorado, is there was about a group of us, about 16 male FCS teachers by the time I left in 2019. And our last uh, FCS conference that we went to as just teachers, not necessarily FCCLA, but just where we went as a teacher conference, I did a happy hour of the men and of just the men. And this is our, our way of getting together having a conversation, building that collegiality, knowing that we're not in this alone, that I may have something happen to me. I can get this off my chest. You may have gone through and can kind of build that and just build those relationships with each other. And so being a male FCS administrator, it's a lot easier for me to be that person to that they can look up to or talk to. And I always tried to take the new FCS student teachers that are coming out into the field that were male, I always had to have conversations with them about, these are things that you may experience. These are some of the things that I had to do as a teacher to make sure that I was not putting myself in awkward situations, or here are some unwritten rules and standards you're going to have to live up to that you're going to struggle with because I struggled with them my first five years, and I would appreciate some a male FCS teacher to sit down with me beforehand. and. So it's just trying to help pay it forward. So that's probably more than you wanted to know, but I no, appreciate the time I think, to talk about it. No, I think it's important. And because this podcast is going is being broadcasted for anybody and everybody. If you're interested in this topic, people are going to listen and it has nothing to do with, it, it's a topic and it's a topic that is, that needs to be explored. And this is something that 
I know it hasn't ever been explored. And I'm just really excited to be able to have you sharing your your wealth of information, but also your knowledge. You have a background is something that I'll never be able to experience. <laughs> so, and that's what makes each of our perspectives so different and unique. Absolutely. And I think that's what is really the positive thing about FCS is, yeah, we're dealing with strengthening the home and working life of individuals, families, and communities, but we all come with a different background. And so how are we working to tackle those problems, to come up with those solutions so that way we can make sure that the new generation of students can effectively take on those problems and solve them for themselves? Because that is something we need to do. And that varied background is something that always excites me. And that's the other part of the, my research with men is, what is the value that they're bringing to family consumer sciences? A lot of my research has been around the academic and social motivational side of a, a benefit of having a male teacher. And from what I found in my research is that being a male or female teacher has no effect on your academic achievement as a student. And that, that's good because that means a teacher is a teacher. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. But male teachers actually help two ways. One is to help provide a role model for male students on how do you actually be a male within our society? Because our male students are going to look to males to how do I be a man in the society? And so that's a great way to kind of give a different perspective than what they may be giving at home. Sometimes they have really good male role models at home. Sometimes the male role model is lacking or not the best. So it kind of gives that varied experience so that they can really take in some ideas of what it means to be a man within their community. So that's a great, a great way. They also help provide gender schema development and really help challenge those traditional thought of, is this a female career or is this a male career? If I see a male family consumer science teacher teaching early childhood education, I'm more likely as a male student want to go take that course because I can see myself in that. One of my favorite stories is when I First started, I, I taught child development, relationships, individual and family finance. We called it life management, but just like a personal finance course. And of course, foods and nutrition, because you can never get away from those. <laughs> As four preps, and it was crazy. I don't recommend it. I, uh, I had to look at the board and be like, what am I teaching in this period? And so, right. but my favorite story is child development. We had about three times we had a local preschool come in and our students really did some lessons and were able to run the preschool for a day. We were a benefit to have that, that partnership. But I had a group of all male students that just wanted to work together. They, I was about four of them in the class because I could never seem to get in my first couple of years, get more than four students in a child development course. And so I remember there was a student having a meltdown because they're preschoolers. That's what they do. They're learning new things. They're encountering a whole bunch of stimulus and they're in the high school. So they're out of their elements. Of course, one, two is going to have a meltdown. (laughs) Shoot, I was probably going to have a meltdown as the teacher because I have my 30 students plus 30 preschoolers going on here. One of us is melting down. I'm glad it's you, not me. But of course, they call me over because they're all frantic. They're like, what do we do? And I just told them, get down on their level and just see what happens. So the male, this big male football star got down to the kid. The kid just hugged him and you could just tell him that this was like, oh, I'm just supposed to be here to comfort. I'm, I'm just here to be that comforting voice as part of being a teacher, especially in those lower level early of childhood is I just need to be that comforting, that comforting force for that student. You could see the, the learning from that. And that's one of my favorite stories of how 
I, as a male teacher, were able to help those male students really see what their role is as that male educator in that time and place is about doing what an educator needs to do. It's not necessarily being a gender teacher, but it's being what they needed to be. But if a female teacher may have done that, they may or may have not had the same experience, but it was just that growth and that learning. Well, by the time I left that classroom and went into my position, we probably had about six or seven students that would take child development, probably about 10 that were on and off in our education and training pathway. And so we, we were able to grow that. And I, and I try to attribute that to me being in the, in the school, being a visible member of the school so that they could see that I was a male FCS teacher. I was teaching these courses. And if I was a male student semi-interested in that career pathway or even just that content, I'm welcome to come teach or excuse me, come take that class because there was that teacher that I could see myself in. So my colleague, uh, she teaches ECE and I have a student in my advisory class right now who he's a male and he, I've asked him like, Oh, Hey, what do you, what do you want to do after, after you graduate? And he's like, well, I actually want to go to our local, local college here. And I want to be a preschool teacher. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, have you taken our ECE class? And he's like, yeah, I've taken human development, ECE. I've done teaching academy. I've done all of this. I've done the pathway. And he's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to being able to go on to the next step in his academic career and be able to come back and give back. He's so, he's so passionate about it. And every time we have advisory twice a month and Every on all of those Thursdays, I'm always doing a check in with him. Like, how's it going? Where are you at? And your your checklist. And, and he's like, Oh man, miss, I'm so excited. And he yeah. is Hispanic. Oh, male. And yes. he's a track star. He is. Oh gosh, what else does he do? Track star. He's type one diabetic, and he plays basketball. Ooh, so he's going to have a varied experience to really bring in. And that's amazing. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for him and I'll, I'll be sure to pass on. Well, actually, why don't you pass on what oh, inspirational messages can you share to the student teachers, male student teachers that are listening right now and future teachers? Isn't that a great question? So. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say the first thing is to remember why you chose this career. You chose it for whatever reason you did, whether you want to work with students, you wanted to improve research, whatever reason you chose to be an FCS teacher, keep that at the heart of what you're going to do. Because you're going to encounter some things that are that's going to happen as a male teacher. I mean, even as a female teacher, you're going to encounter some things as well. But some of the stuff you're going to encounter as a male teacher are going to be a little bit more challenging for you as a person, because you're going to be questioned a lot about what, who you are and why you chose the path that you've done. It may be as aggressive as somebody confronting you about it, or it could be as passive aggressive as somebody just saying something and then it just steeps with you like, why? It, what did they really mean by that? And so it, it may be a mixture of both. But just remember that because you have the passion. And it's that passion is why we need you in this profession. We need you to 
be out there to working with our students, to changing the image, to making sure that you are challenging what it means to be an FCS teacher. So that way the next generation of teachers have more and then they have more. And so we keep growing and that we are a valued member of society. There's men, there's male teachers that came before me that laid the groundwork. And I know there's male teachers that I have that in my generation that are still laying the groundwork and taking what they have. So that way you can keep going forward and really coming in this profession. I'd say the other things, and I'll get down to some teaching level, learn your students' names right away. It's going to happen when you're a teacher. You're going to forget a student's name. Even if you had them all semester, you have 150, 200 <laughs> students. You're going to forget their name. You, you know their face. You're going to be like, I know your name. I just, I just, it's gone. And so as a female teacher, you can get away with honey, sweetie, or something like that. But if I, as a male teacher, said that to a female student, hey, sweetie, how are you doing? That's a gray area. And so you have to know your students' names right away. It's one of those, it's just one of those things that you have to do. Then you also have to get to know your students. I mean, you can understand them and know them because you're going to be teaching about some, some difficult subjects that your students aren't going to have issues with, but their parents may have an issue with you teaching their student about this. I, I did some early field experiences in my undergraduate where it required us to go out into a classroom and teach, not necessarily observe. So here I am, my freshman year of college, happened to do 10 hours of actual classroom teaching in a family consumer science classroom. So I'm like 18, going to be 19. And I chose to work in a school or with a teacher that was teaching child development. And she had me come in and teach the menstrual cycle. So here I am, this 18-year-old male teaching the 16, 17-year-old girls, because the class of all girls about the menstrual cycle, they're sitting there with their hands crossed, like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like five minutes older than you trying to teach you about this. So just let's, uh, let's get on this. But you are going to be talking about some of those subjects that why is a male student teaching, or excuse me, a male teacher teaching female students about the menstrual cycle or sexual reproduction or how to be a parent or what does it mean to be a mother? or just any topic. So you have to develop some things to make sure that you have the right relationships. So that way in case, and when it does happen, you get questioned, you are able to defend yourself on, I know these students, I have these backgrounds and your students are able to stand behind you and not put it into any sort of bad area. So, I mean, understanding your passion, knowing students' names and really getting to know your students are things that you have to do as a male teacher that, Yes, a female teacher has to do, but you have to do right away. You don't have the opportunity to develop that. You have to kind of go into it with those. And it it serves you well as a teacher. It serves me well. I mean, knowing my students' names. um, And if you ever forgot your name, you can easily with the student be like, hey, hey, you, come here. Instead of sweetie. And you is a a pretty, (laughs) is a good one to come. And you can be like, hey, let me see your paper. Oh, look, okay, there's their name. Their name. Okay, thank you. Rebecca. All right. Got it. No, that That's so funny. And I can relate with you on with your story so much just because I do say, okay, let's figure this out, hon. And I may, and I, those are things that I'm able to get away with. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I do know my students, their names, but yes, I do blank out on names going, oh, oh it's going to happen. I know you're, you're five, you're five steps ahead of your student. And so that one student who derails your lesson, you're like, your hand's up. I know your name. 
what do you want? I don't know. I I still got to get through this lesson. (laughs) Well, and gosh, I've done that where all of a sudden I'll just completely blank out and I'll be standing there going, all right, I'm having a senior moment. (laughs) Can you remind me your name with your hand up and, and, and they'll laugh at me. I go, you could call me boomer. It's okay. (laughs) And and that, and that that breaks the, the, I guess the, the chill. (laughs) It breaks the ice. Like, okay, I can I can make fun of myself. It's all right. <laughs> We're in a safe spot. <laughs> and that's great. And that's one of those examples of you building those relationships with students. So you can laugh at things like that and be able to have those. And those are the relationships that make the teaching worth it. And just kind of, but as a male teacher, I have to create those right away. They they don't get to develop as organically as they would in a, as a female teacher. It, it's just and it, and it's just one of those things that we have to do right now. It is it just is. But uh, I'm well, glad they're they're laughing. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, you know, last year I had a struggle with a certain student, a male student. He was a freshman. Man, he was ornery. He did not want to. So for my foods and nutrition class, he did not want to cook. He didn't want to clean. He didn't want to do any of the preparing or anything. He just wanted to stand there. And I'm like, dude, you got to help me. And he's like, no, this is a woman's job. And I'm like, do you see? And we had like, oh, gosh, my classes are pretty well, you know, even when it comes to the male female ratio. I'm like, dude, you see, it's like Roberto. You see mm-hmm. Roberto, <laughs> and he's doing his his chore, you know, in your group, and he's like, no, no, and he, I'm just like, I don't know what else to do with you. So at the end of the class period, my male colleague he walks in because we rotate classes. He walks in. I'm like, hey, Hendricks, come here. Do you think you can help me out with so and so? And I forget the kid's name now. But and he's like, and he's like, what's going on? And then my other FCS colleague, she comes into the classroom and I'm like, hey, actually, let's do a little cocoon. Let's try to <laughs> let's break this kid down. And I tell him the scenario of what's going on. And and Hendrix, he's like, is your dad home? And he's like, sometimes not really. And it's like, OK. And he's like, well, so who does the, the cleaning at home? My mom. OK. Who does the cooking at home? My mom. He's like, all right. So, so your mom does all the hard work. And he's like, well, it's, it's not hard. And it's like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Big to well, differ, but yeah. <laughs> big to differ. But he was able to reach out to the student in a way that I couldn't because I'm saying, well, you can, you can clean the dish. It's fine. It's like, no, I didn't make the mess though. And it's like, Well, you know, in order to make a house run smoothly, everybody needs to do their part. Even if they didn't provide the mess or make the mess, everybody operates and to make something run smoothly. You know, many hands make light work. And he's just, and so, but because of him, he was able to, the kid was able to like come around to it. But, you know, having those, having a male FCS colleague, it, it is beneficial. Mr. Hendricks has done a, an absolute amazing job, you know, with finesse and, and honestly, he's got it rough because he's got me one who I feel like I've become more of a, a bull in a China closet <laughs> <laughs> in my head department head. 
she's very outspoken and she likes things done a certain way as well. So she's got, he's got two dominant females, colleagues, FCS (laughs) teachers. And then our other uh, female colleague, Miss Rhodes, she's absolutely wonderful. And she's just like, I'm over here. I'm fine. I'll just do my thing. And because she's, she teaches ECE and human development and he works with her, but not so much as with sharing the classroom and having teaching the same subjects all the time. So, so poor Sean. Poor Sean. He, I love that. He, he he puts up with a lot. And I should actually, <laughs> I should send him a Starbucks card going, you're wonderful. Thank you for putting up with me. I know I've done some horrible things. <laughs> well, flattery and bribery will get you everywhere. <laughs> uh, but I love that he was able to kind of have a conversation with that student and really challenge that student's gender, those gender norms, that gender competence of what that student understands of what are those gender roles. And so really have that conversation. But if you think about it, if it's just you and your other female colleague that went in and tried to talk with that student, he's not going to respond to just the two female teachers because that's just reinforcing Mm -hmm. his gender perception of what he's used to. But having your male colleague really come in there and challenge that is is one of the benefits in which they provide. I also laughed because I was in a very similar situation as him with two very strong-willed and (laughs) dominant FCS teachers that have been teaching for a long time, which we were all, and I, I'm a little headstrong myself. So when I, my first year teaching, one of the other ones had study hall during lunch. And so it was me and the the one that's been there in the, in the school for almost 25 years that opened the program, stuff like that. And so, of course, I'm a new person. I want to do it my way. She's like, well, I will do it my way. And so we're having lunch and it's like first month or so and we were arguing and the other colleague comes back and she goes, it feels like mom and dad are fighting. Um, but just learn and work with each other, but that's just part of the dynamics, but it's, I'm in a very similar situation for him. If he ever, uh, wants to trade some stories, I'd be happy to, I'll be like, well, for an FCCLA fundraiser, we did a slushy and they put it on my desk and I had exhaust blowing at me for a month. (laughs) It was was like punished to be hot for the rest of this time with exhaust from slushies. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure he would. I'll I'll pass on I'll pass on your your name and in your uh, social media handles. <laughs> Reach out to him. He'll, I, he will commiserate with you and and maybe he'll give you some little tidbits on how to <laughs> how to diffuse your female colleagues. Oh gosh. Well, okay. So, as, I want to start wrapping things up because okay. I have to start preparing for my school day. Oh, talk to me about, give me a favorite book. Do you have a favorite book? Are you reading anything? I know besides your dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite book, just as in like, just not a dissertation, not an educational book, or can it be an educational book? It could be an educational book. Just do you have a favorite book that is on your nightstand at the moment? All right. So what am I reading right now? So the one that I'm reading is I went back to it. I started it for my um, dissertation, but I've just really been interested in the history of our profession is Rethinking Home Economics by Vincenti and Smith. And so it's really talks about where the profession started and really how it progressed through the last hundred years and where we're going. That's just something that I've really been interested in. I've started getting into history more as I've gotten older. And just understanding a lot of where we've come from. And so not only is it talking about home economics and why I like it, it really puts things into context about 
why things are happening in our society that the way that they're happening and putting just a little bit more knowledge in there and kind of how home economics was really involved in that. Like Corningware was designed because of a home economics uh, professional. Things kept exploding in the oven and her husband worked in a research and development facility for uh, different pots and pans. And so he developed that for her. So that way it didn't continue to, the glass dish didn't continue to explode. And that's great because all of us have courting wear. We do. Uh, Passed down from family members. It multiplies in the cabinet. We don't know where it came from. We don't know where we got it, but it's there. But, and it's because of home economics. And so just other stories like that and how things came about, things that we take for granted just really put things into context. A non-FCS book is, oh, what's it called? Leaders Eat Last. And uh, that's a really good one. Because the other part of it, yes, yes. I love Simon. Um, Thank you for saying his name. I couldn't remember it. I was like, (laughs) oh. um, But it's a really just good book to talk about leadership and just a fresh perspective on it. And I'd share that with when I was a state advisor, share it with some of my uh, student leaders as FCCLA state officers, just kind of giving them a different perspective on what it means to be a leader. So that's just something that I've really enjoyed with. Well, any, I, gosh, anything involved with Simon Sinek's name on it is, you know, it's going to be good. It yeah, really absolutely. absolutely. So who is the author for Rethinking Economic, Home Economics? Uh, Virginia Vincenti and, oh, I'm forgetting the first name of the other lady, but Smith is the other, is the last name of the other one. I can, t- I just can't remember her name. Oh, I want to say Sharon or Shannon. I just, I'm drawing a blank right now. Well. No worries. I'm going to do a little research and then I'll post it up on for the Connect FCS Ed website. I'm going to oh, cool. Great. How about, do you have a favorite tech tool? Oh, favorite tech tool. Yes, I really do. And it, it's going to be one of the most nerdy ones that you've probably heard in a while. It's Grammarly. If you haven't heard of it, it's an online website. You can get a free or paid version. The free version works well, just as well as the paid version. But you can post your text in there, and it corrects it with uh, grammar, if there's misspelling, punctuation, because I have a problem with that. I miss A's, of's, the's in, in lots of different things because my brain's like 10 minutes ahead of where my fingers are at. And so it's just a way to really get in there and really help you write better or at least come across a little bit more comprehensive. So I really like that. Mm, well, thank you, because... I love writing, but my my grammar is not the greatest. So I'm going to be uh, checking that out. Yeah, it's it's worth it. And if you do the paid one, it actually tells you, you can rewrite your sentence to be more clear. I'm like, thank you, because yeah. I don't even understand what I tried to write right there. <laughs> I know. Well, gosh, I have two friends who are, they are my grammar police. And uh, I'm always sending stuff to them going, hey, can you uh, can you edit? And they send it back. They're like, rewrite this sentence. I'm like, I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Trust me. I've been there. Know what I mean, not what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Last question. What recipe can you eat over and over and over again? If there's anything. Really good question. Yeah. I hated it growing up because we would have it with spaghetti. And as you get older, I understand why we had it. I mean, parents weren't the most affluent people. So it was cheap and easy to feed me and my brother and we ate a lot. But as I grow older, I really like it. And I think it's because it's that nostalgia factor. Plus it's delicious. 
but just spaghetti and you can put a lot of different things in it. And so um, spaghetti is something that I can make. I, unfortunately, because my husband doesn't like my spaghetti sauce, it's too zesty. I mean, put too much spices in it. We use canned stuff now, which I know my uh, mother would hate. I just don't tell her. So I hope she doesn't listen. Bleep this part out, mom, if you're listening. But it's just just that. But it's uh, able to experiment with it. So. Oh, well, gosh, the nostalgia, I can really relate with you with spaghetti sauce because my mom had a spaghetti sauce that was passed down from her mom who, so my grandmother was raised by her grandparents along with the next door neighbor who was a Sicilian woman. And so the recipe, the spaghetti sauce recipe is a spin on a Sicilian recipe for spaghetti and it's sweet we we add Ooh. sugar to it and along with your italian seasoning your basil oregano all of that but i add sugar nutmeg allspice ginger and cinnamon that sounds delicious and it's just a little bit it's on the sweet side but along with you know some uh I put in ground beef and and pork, ground pork to, for meat, but oh, it's well. I'm uh, coming over for dinner, so it makes me <laughs> it makes me think of my mom when I'm making it and just all the smells mm. <laughs> that it brings. Mm-hmm. I get absolutely. it absolutely. Well, Robert, this has been an absolute joy having you on and sharing just the male perspective for family consumer science teacher. This has been educational, and I've thoroughly enjoyed learning from you. So thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In each episode, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. I'm inviting you to join me in the conversation. Let's share your resources and stories. Together, we are better. Thanks again for listening and helping spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.